Maris and other listeners who may be joining us. Welcome to the new iteration of the Maris Association of St. Marcelin Champagne's podcast. I'm Tracy Dublay from the membership team, and today I'm very excited to present the first of our series of readings from the Association's Christ-like publication. We won't always be able to share every article or reflection, but we'll do our best. To read the full edition and to watch the Maris video from Tanya Kozowski, go to the association website, marisassociation.org.au, and go to the News menu tab or scroll down the homepage to the latest news. This is the April 2023 edition, and I'd really like to thank the people who generously agreed to read their own contributions. They'll let you know who they are as they begin each reading. And before we do begin, a reminder to all members of the association to please get in touch if you change your workplace or school and would like to either stay in your local group or join in with a, another one. And if you have a new email address, please email maris.association at maris.org.au so we can update your details and keep you connected. So, events. A reminder that we have the 2023 Marian Lecture coming up on the 16th of May, featuring moral theologian and ethicist Dr. Mida Volpe. Not sure if I got that right. To register, go to the association website and click on the little announcement bar at the very top of the homepage. Okay then, peeps, grab a cuppa, settle into your seats, and let's go. The editorial this month was written by Association Councillor Dan Lynch, titled Seeking Expression to Journeying Together. Thanks, Dan. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said he would. Matthew 28, 6. On Thursday, 13 April 2023, in the days immediately following our journey of the Easter Triduum, the Oceania responds to enlarge the space of your tent the working document for the continental stage of the Synod of Bishops for a Synodal Church was released. The Oceania discernment on the working document was drafted by a writing and discernment group which systematised reports from the four bishops' conferences and the local Eastern Catholic Churches of Oceania. To date, the journey of the Global Synod has involved millions of people around the world in a consultative process around the question how does this journeying together, which takes place today on different levels, from the local level to the universal one, allow the church to proclaim the gospel in accordance with the mission entrusted to her and what steps does the Spirit invite us to take in order to grow as a synodal church? In these days of Easter, I was struck by the words we heard from Matthew's gospel at the Easter Vigil on Holy Saturday. He is not here, for he is risen as he said he would. As I considered what the journey of synodality, a defining emphasis and hope of Pope Francis for the church, might mean for us as a Marist association, as we seek to give concrete expression to journeying together on mission, in a synodal way, with young people to make Jesus Christ known and loved. The following themes from the Oceania discernment provide a further invitation to prayerfully discern the rich offering that the Marist association continues to make on the synodal journey we have been called to by Pope Francis. Mission. Unsurprisingly, the Oceania response identified mission as a key priority. As a Marist association, 
how might we be called to give witness to or deepen our existing commitment to a number of the following priorities which found resonance across the discernment taken in Oceania? Finding ways of more effectively engaging the whole people of God in their baptismal invitation to participate in God's mission. Making a transition from a maintenance to a mission-focused church. Inviting and encouraging all Catholics to accept their baptismal call to evangelise and proclaim God's love in unity with others. Formation. As an association, we've continued to be identified and known for the emphasis and wide-ranging reach, resonance and impact of our formation programs. It is no wonder that the Oceania Discernment identified formation as essential, with a particular emphasis on assisting the baptised to participate in a synodal church as courageous missionary disciples, ensuring that formation addresses the reality of people's lives by offering insights into scripture, church teaching and Catholic social teaching, prioritising formation resources for ecological conversion and specific resources for the formation of young people, ensuring that there is an adequate emphasis on formation for lay leaders. As a Marist Association, we are uniquely placed with respect to our ability to continue to make active and proactive contributions to the hopes, yearnings and aspirations of the voices from our part of the world to the ongoing need for formation as we walk this journey in synodality. Young people. With great interest and with my own background in ministry to young people in Catholic education, I was drawn to the following observations which were offered in the Oceania response with respect to young people. Specifically, the Oceania discernment highlights. Listening and investigating how the faith needs of young people could be met and how youth could be better formed and provided with platforms that allowed them to utilise their skills and passions in a language they can understand. Accompanying young people in discerning the gifts and talents that they can offer for the growth of the church. An increased focus on a union of family, parish and school to work together to enrich the Catholicity within Catholic schools. Each of the above speaks deeply to the living tradition of Mara spirituality and its expression in the form of our Marian presence and attentiveness to the needs of young people, particularly the vulnerable and those displaced on the margins of society. Indeed, the Oceania discernment offers an encouraging reminder of the unique place within the life of the church that we continue to recommit ourselves to anew as we place young people at the centre of our efforts. Marist witnesses accompanying each other on the path of synodality. He is not here, for he is risen as he said he would. As we continue to respond to the question posed by the Global Synod, what steps does the Spirit invite us to take in order to grow as a synodal church? May we, as Maris of Champagne, called to give unique expression and witness to an evolving paradigm of synodality in both the church and the Marist Association, continue to commit ourselves to the aspiration of making Jesus Christ known and loved in our own time and place as people known for their Easter joy. Hi, I'm Brother Robert O'Connor, Bob O'Connor, from one of the Brothers' communities at Randwick in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. 
Previously, I was in the community at the Hermitage, our retreat house at Bidigong. And this is the Miriam of Nazareth reflection from the April 2023 Christ Life. Presenting to a group of local parishioners some years ago, I was struck by a question that came from one of the group. Admittedly, one of the more senior members of the group, as we begin, began to unpack some of our understandings of who Miriam of Nazareth, Mary, was for Catholics and for our Orthodox sisters and brothers, and I was struck by the growing number of even some of our Reformed Church members. But the question was, brother, when did Mary become a Roman Catholic? There was a titter in the group. However, it was an honest and heartfelt question showing pretty clearly how little growth many have had, even in our modern times, of research and study of Marian studies. So I share a couple of short quotes. The first is from a document uh, not probably well known in this country, a, a journal called Concilium, uh, back in 1983. And this short, uh, short reflection came from a Jewish woman scholar, Sarah ben Corin, in an article she wrote in that journal called A Jewish View of the Mother of Jesus, and I quote, Though represented in many ways, rarely is Miriam shown as the young Oriental Jewish mother which she was. There's nothing out of the ordinary in her becoming a mother at such a young age in the Jewish context of her time. And we know from meager references in her life that she kept contact with Jerusalem. She and Joseph, we note, went there annually, as in Luke 2, 41. And being of the family of David, she had some roots that may have impacted in Jesus' early years, especially the first five years, when the mother was responsible for the raising of the child. Thereafter, Joseph, the husband, would have had considerable input into raising Jesus and teaching him." Unquote. The second quote I'd like to share with you is from a renowned Marian scholar and American sister, Elizabeth Johnson, who's written extensively on Mary. And in this article called The Many Faces of Mary, she writes, the question for us arises as to how to relate to her, that is to live her way. Or as one of the early Marists, Jean-Claude Collin, the founder of the Marist Fathers used to say, to think, to feel, to judge and act as Mary did. Traditionally, the church adopted the patronage model, our intercessor before the throne of God. But this patron-client relationship is not found in the New Testament all in the, or in the early Christian centuries. It developed after the church was officially established in the late Roman Empire under the influence of a civil patronage system and earlier patterns characteristic of scripture and the age of the martyrs situated Mary and the saints not between God and those on earth, but alongside their sisters and brothers in Christ in one community of mutuality. This is the companionship model which leads to compassionate ministry, as in the Cana story, then directing us to recognize the many in our world who, quote, have no wine 
or water or rights or adequate shelter, unquote. Thank you. Hello, it's Pat O'Reilly here, Director of Mission and Identity at Maris 180. This is a story about the Mountie Yarns event for the April 2023 edition of Christ's Life. Maris 180 provides a range of programs and services in support of First Nations children, young people and adults. Our Daramu and Mujumbayala teams attended the Mountie Yarns event on March 24, representing and promoting Maris 180. Our staff engaged with other services and community members to advocate and provide service information about the Daramu and Mujumbayala programs and Maris 180 as a whole. Mountie Yarns is a youth-led project that gathers the stories, expertise and knowledge by and with Aboriginal young people with lived experience of the criminal justice system and the impact it has on them and their families. Mountie Yarns is an initiative of Just Reinvest New South Wales. Just Reinvest New South Wales supports Aboriginal communities to develop their own solutions for change, making them safer and more just. Their goal is to reduce Aboriginal people's interactions with the criminal justice system. Just Reinvest New South Wales do this by creating stronger and safer futures through both community-led initiatives and statewide policy and legislative reform, redirecting funds away from systems that harm people and towards communities with high rates of contact with the justice system. Mount Yarns facilitated the event at Kimberwally and organisers were pleased with what was a highly interactive and well-attended event, which included the provision of free food, food trucks, sausage sizzles and the like, and activities for everyone to participate in, including touch football, laser tag, face painting, to name a few. Agencies from the Mount Druid area attended the event to bring awareness of the wide range of services and supports that are available to everyone. An art exhibition was open to all, displaying artworks that were created by community members and a real highlight were performances by Aboriginal rappers Baha, Kobe D, as well as local youth rappers. Some of the Maris 180 team who attended included Jessica Beale, Elijah Wright, Matt Norris, Tony Moran, Arthur Frail, Kayla Bird, and Shannon Thorne. Hi, I'm Nathan Ahern. I'm a member of the Maris Mission and Life Formation team, and this is a reflection I've written for the April 2023 edition of Christ's Life. Called into the harvest. For those blessed with a stable income in Australia, it's easy to forget about where the flour came from for that muffin we just purchased with our overpriced cappuccino. In a globalised supply chain, we've seen what can happen when part of the process breaks down, as it did recently in war-torn Ukraine. Containers full of grain sat in shipping docks, unable to be sent to countries who rely upon this important food source. Food is seasonal. It must be harvested at a particular time, and it has a use-by date. A first-century Palestinian audience would have understood these basic farming principles, 
and also the importance of paying the labourer. Matthew 20 verses 1 to 16. Matthew uses the word harvest three times in verses 37 to 38 of chapter 9 to imply a sense of urgency for the harvesting. When the crop is ready, it must be harvested or it will go to waste. In a similar way, he was saying that the time is just right because the kingdom of heaven is at hand today. Earlier in Matthew's gospel, he writes, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send labourers into his harvest. Matthew 9.37 Later in his gospel, Matthew continues this explanation. Many are called, but few are chosen. Matthew chapter 22, verse 14. Hearing and responding to the call is our responsibility. And we are reminded in Hebrews 3.15, If today you shall hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Many will hear, but fail to listen. And even fewer choose to respond. In most instances, when it comes to planting and nurturing faith, families are the primary producers, the initial formators and witnesses of faith to their children. Parents have the mission of teaching their children to pray and to discover their vocation as children of God. The parish is the Eucharistic community and the heart of the liturgical life of Christian families. It is a privileged place for the catechesis of children and parents. Catechism of the Catholic Church, 2,226. It takes a much larger village community to help with the reaping, harvesting and transformation of God's love into something new, a source of life, given and broken, shared for others. We believe that each person is created and called by God for a purpose, a vocation. When we respond to this call in our lives, we take part in the process of bringing forth life, of harvesting, transformation, and eventually return to the earth. Pope Francis suggests that the harvest will only be plentiful when we have cultivated kindness as part of the process. He said, once kindness becomes a culture within society, it transforms lifestyles, relationships, and the ways ideas are discussed and compared. Kindness facilitates the quest for consensus. It opens new paths where hostility and conflict would burn all bridges. Italia Tutti, 222 to 224. We need to aerate the soil of our hearts, remove the weeds and make room for future growth. We also acknowledge those forces that are beyond our control, those environmental factors which can severely affect the harvest. These external threats come in different forms, Some may experience a drought and prayer life. For others, it's the sudden and devastating impact of flood or fire, the loss of a loved one. And for many of us, we fight those insidious pests and diseases which quietly threaten the harvest, those little distractions of life. In her book, The Time Is Now, Joan Chittister speaks of being at a crossroads with three choices ahead of us. The first is the road that quits and heads in another direction. The second invites us to crawl into a cave and wait for the storm to pass. And the third is the road of the prophets, a call to uncommon courage. 
as described in the title of Robert Frost's poem. This third option is the road less travelled. It takes courage to respond to the call to go into the harvest, but it will make all the difference. there. My name is Malika Nation and I'm the Communications and Engagement Officer at Australian Mara Solidarity here in Brisbane. Today's spotlight is on St. Joseph's College Mabiri in Bougainville. St. Joseph's Mabiri and the Maris Brothers actually share a very long history with the original college first established in the village of Rigu in 1949 by Maris Brothers who had been in Bougainville since 1941. During the Bougainville conflict, also known as the Crisis, which occurred between 1988 and 1999, it was estimated that 10,000 to 15,000 deaths were a result of the crisis. The original St. Joseph's School in Rigu was burnt to the ground along with most buildings on the island. While many brothers chose to remain in Bougainville during the first years of the conflict, the region actually became increasingly unstable and therefore they were made to evacuate to the Solomon Islands through the naval blockade imposed by the Papua New Guinea government. Steadfast in their mission to support education in Bougainville, the Maris brothers returned towards the end of the conflict in 1999 and rebuilt St. Joseph's College in the village of Mabiri. The new school was purposely developed to educate ex-combatants and other young men of the crisis generation, many of whom over the years of the crisis had their learning come to a complete halt. Maris brothers were at the forefront of peace and reconciliation efforts in the area, pioneered by brother Pat Howley, who facilitated reconciliation through restorative justice practices due to the collapse of the Western court system. Today, St. Joseph's College is a legally registered education institute with, de with the Department of Education in PNG, the Division of Education in Bougainville, and the Catholic Education Agency. The school offers access to kindergarten, elementary, and primary school to 264 boys and girls, and lower secondary and vocational education to a further 393 boys and young men. This is a total school enrollment of 657 students, including boarders. Over the past year, AMS and St. Joseph's have worked closely together to prepare St. Joseph's to welcome in its first Year 11 students in 2024. Thanks to the contribution of Australian Maris, we've been able to complete a new dormitory and classroom building, and work is underway building teacher housing, ensuring the computer classes have strong solar power, and installing hydration stations around the school to increase student access to clean water. Pisin is the local dialect in Bougainville and is classified as an official language of Papua New Guinea. It is derived from English, German, Malay, and other local lan languages within PNG. Use the translation below to recite the Lord's Prayer in Tok Pisin. The following video can assist you with your pronunciation. Papa blongi pala ogeta, yusta blong heaven. Oli something named long yui come up, make him kingdom blong yui come up, make him all harem tok lo you lo ground. Olsem ol i behind him you long heaven. Today, give him me pella kaka i nap long today. Napo give him wrong blong mi pella. Olsem mi pella i po give him ol nar pella man mere i make him wrong long mi pella. Sambai long mi pella long time long trem. Na rausim ol geta something no good long mi pella. Amen. AMS is proud to be supporting our program partners as they continue to provide opportunities in education and skills training to young people who are in need. 
Together with your donations, AMS and our program partners can provide support for those who would often be denied their right to an education. As Marists, we are called to stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters in the Asia Pacific. There is a unique destiny for each person. Each one of us has something to do here that can't be done by no one else. Ronald Royal Heezer, OMI, to be born is to be chosen. Your support means that young people can pursue a life of dignity and prospects. When you give to AMS, your donation support programs that transform the lives of vulnerable young people. See our website for details of workplace giving, one-off and monthly donations, and giving through wills and bequests. Hello, good Marists. Liz Wake here. I'm a member of the Marist Association and Program Coordinator for the Exodus Community here in Melbourne. This is a story about the Exodus Community Way of the Cross for the April 2023 edition of Christ Life. Each time I walk the Way of the Cross through the streets of West Heidelberg, I'm deeply moved. Moved by the willingness of the community to share roles in reading scripture, to retell the most vulnerable of stories, to speak out against injustice, and the simple yet powerful way that we pray and sing together. In recounting the story of the last hours of the life of Jesus, his passion, we recognise where he suffers today and reflect on what he might be passionate about today. We focus particularly on places and situations of strife, hardship and suffering, globally, within our country and locally. One sharing, for example, focused on being supported in darkness and had a local sharing of advocacy and support in family violence. For those unfamiliar with the Olympic Village Exodus community, this is a place of significant disadvantage, where the local residents have and continue to experience powerlessness, injustice and institutional abuse. Life on the margins here in our very own backyard. Brother Harry, Exodus coordinator, Brother Doug and Brother Barry live in community here and I have the privilege to currently work as program coordinator. A real Marian presence. Supporting and providing opportunities for education and volunteering amongst the marginalised and powerless. As we walk the way of the cross, it is these volunteers together with local Christian churches that help to retell Jesus' passion from a uniquely local lens. Joined by a number of Melbourne Marist Association members, people invited on arrival to pitch in and read scripture and carry the cross, cloths, place the crown of thorns and hammer nails. The drum beats as we walk streets that are lined with public housing, telling its own story. This year, our MCs were Grace Wake, Marist Youth Ministry and Gilbert Main, Melbourne Marist Group. The soulful voice of Fiona Dival led us on the journey with Watch and Pray, Walk With Me, Who Will Speak, and Jesus Remember Me. Moving, powerful, and sacred. Wow, what an amazing addition. And how fantastic to have all those different voices with their different personalities reading those stories and reflections for us. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast. Blessings to you all. Have a great day. And we'll be back for the Christ Life May edition. St. Marcelin Champagne, pray for us. And may we always remember to pray for one another. Bye for now. <laughs>